0: This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Uh, Brent, you ready for another another uh, icebreaker, hard-hitting question? Oh, I guess. Uh, okay, so this week's sermon topic was uh, church discipline, uh-huh. uh, and so I want to know what what form of discipline your parents used on you that you hated the most?
1: (laughs) Um, well, I I really, there was really one primary means and I guess I hated it. Uh, it was a wooden spoon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Many of them, uh, broke.
0: Yeah. I, man, I'm trying to remember if we ever got the wooden spoon. I feel like we did. Um, so my, my parents, we had a plethora of Of options of of disciplinary (laughs) options. Um, but yeah i think my dad had one specific belt that i would get spankings oh, with yeah. that was particularly painful
1: yeah i never got uh, a belt you never got I see never that got was that belt.
0: was the primary delivery of our of our uh of our discipline in that land household was a belt we mm. got the belt
1: have you ever heard of people who have like a- Like, uh, you know, a wooden instrument that has like discipline written on it or or something. It's got a name or something. It's like hanging in the house. Oh yeah. No, that's terrifying. Maybe that's what I should start making my woodworking business. I'll make (laughs) (laughs) custom battles. I think you may get like reported.
0: for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, use these on your children. You can't advertise. You can't advertise that. Um, Okay. Well, uh, good, good, uh, good to start out, uh, light here because this week's sermon was, uh you know not a it was light not i mean it was <laughs> light but it's not a uh not a topic that we address a ton it wasn't and light. and uh you know one that we don't we don't like to think about and i say, i say we as in like me and you the elders right we, we don't we don't just sit in our offices and like who can we kick out who, who can we church discipline today you know and so it's like we don't ever want to do it no. right we don't ever uh we, we it makes me sick to think about. It. Yeah, and so uh and so heavy heavy on us, heavy on on I think people uh listening. So, uh first, I think one thing that's really important about and you mentioned it up top and which is like so true is that you know, if 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 we were just, you know, picking and and choosing whatever texts we wanted to preach from wh- wherever we wanted to preach yeah. on, right? We would never preach on this text. Yeah, yeah. Uh and so talk talk a little bit about, you know, the benefit of, of uh, you know preaching through an entire book expository preaching yeah all those things
1: well one it takes this create creativity element out of it right where it's like what do we, we got to do to be relevant and trendy and you know hit topics people want to hit and then you're just jumping all over the Bible and and the and the danger there is you can try to make the Bible say what you want it to say mm-hmm. and uh, and you know just talk about the parts of the Bible you like and then forget about the parts or don't address the parts you don't like or that are hard you know, I mean, I think of coming up in a couple of weeks in chapter seven. We've got a whole chapter about sex and what that's like, and and you know, it's not one that I would probably not what, choose. Not what it's like. <laughs> what? No, what what it's designed for? Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what 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 what's the purposes of sex and all this stuff? And it's like that's another mm-hmm. one where it's like, yeah. man, I probably wouldn't choose to Just jump into this. Yeah, uh, rated R topic here. Right. PG thirteen coming at you. You know. <laughs> Um, but when we don't preach expository, preach the books of the Bible, we can just skip those things Mm -hmm. and we're not preaching the whole counsel of God, everything God has said. And, um, and so we're not hearing from all, all what God wants us to know. And so this forces us to address those difficult topics, um, and teach God's people all of what God said. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think especially when you, when you, when you preach, um, epistles, Particularly yeah. helpful to go through, you know, verse by verse in one yeah. kind of like chronological through line because he's building an argument, right? Yeah, he's yeah, building yeah. a uh, a statement, uh, right? To the He's teaching the church in a specific way. And so if we're, you know, going to go, if we're going to do 1 Corinthians, it's like it's unhelpful to go 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 Corinthians 10. It's like yeah. just not it's not how it was meant to be studied. Mm-hmm. how It was meant to be heard or read. Yep. So uh just thought it was just thought it was important enough uh, of a of a of a topic to just hit uh briefly because um it's really I think foundational to who we are as a church is that we're committed to expository preaching. We're yeah. you know, we're committed.
1: And the times that we 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 do series that are se- semi topical, we're still expositing a text. Yeah. You know, we're not going to ever you're never going to see us <clears throat> you know, have eight passages and they're all over the place. Yeah. There's a central passage. There may be some mm-hmm. supporting passages. Mm-hmm. But there's a central text we're expositing.
0: Yeah. Like when we when we preach on Christmas, right? And we we preach through the mothers of Jesus, right? We're not, mm-hmm. we're not going chronologically through the entire Bible, but we're going, you know, we're gonna we're gonna read this text about Mary. We're gonna read this yeah. text about Rahab. We're gonna read and and so Yeah. Not
1: that we're just Starting in Genesis 1-1 and then going straight through. Yeah, but we want to let order. the text speak. Yeah. And the problem is, is if I, I can pull this one verse out of context and then use another mm-hmm. one from over here, another one from there, another one from there, yeah. and just kind of make it what I want to that say. Word, that
0: word we're using, expository, you may not have heard that word. It's like a very uh, seminary preaching word. But it's really just, it means expose, right? You're yeah. exposing the text, right? Yeah. You're you're
1: putting the meaning of the text out there. And the meaning of the text is what the author intended yeah. to say. And not what I intend, not what I, the way I read it or the way I understand it, but what he meant, what Paul intended or whoever the yeah. author is. God. Uh, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, so
0: with that in mind, and with that kind of uh, out of the way, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's dive into the, uh, the text itself, the sermon itself, mm-hmm. and, you know, go through it. Uh, you know, the, 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 the points, you kind of have these key questions, right? So, um, I can't. I can't off the top of my head remember what they are. Why do we do it? Yeah, the it? first one's why, uh, and, and remember the last one is when do we do it. But let's start with why. Um, so why why do we take why do we practice church discipline, and, and why why do
1: we why do why do we feel like we have to do it? Yeah. Well, on the one hand, we we have to do it because the Bible tells us to, right? <laughs> yeah. Back to that exposure In, of preaching. End place. of podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's end the, of sermon. <laughs> so yeah, you know, the the Bible said it. That settles it. What's that phrase? That you know what I'm talking about? That little cutesy phrase God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's what it is. Oh, okay. But yeah, the Bible says that's what we do it. But, but why Why does the Bible say it? What does the Bible say? Why we should do it? It's because we need to take sin seriously. Um, Paul here at the beginning of first Corinthians 5 is pointing that first he addresses the sin. You've got this guy sleeping with his stepmother. We believe it's a stepmother because of the way the phrasing He doesn't say his mom, but his father's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. He's sleeping with the stepmom. It's an ongoing sin because Paul uses the present tense. So he is doing this Mm -hmm. still. Um, And so it's this ongoing sin issue. And Paul's big point, he points out, is is that uh, even the pagans um, know this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's particularly alarming in a pagan society of the Romans who had no quarrels with Mm -hmm. uh, temple prostitution, with orgies happening in the temple mm-hmm. it was a very sexualized culture mm-hmm. and so the fact that he would say hey even these people think this is wrong and you guys are boast boasting in this being arrogant mm-hmm. in this uh is just alarming and you've lost your moral compass and credibility mm-hmm. so so I really think that the, the why is hey sin is serious business mm-hmm. and it it to, to take sin seriously means you have to do church discipline Well, you're not taking it seriously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, when you don't do it, right. I think it shows a a lack of concern about the purity of the church. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't actually see and this and you get into this when you talk about, when he's talking about the leaven being in the lump, right. Yeah. Is you're just saying, well, it's actually not that big of a deal that there's impurity in the church. Right. right. Um, it's, it's actually not that big of a deal that there's, uh, ongoing unrepentant sin in Mm -hmm. our church when in reality it's like there could be nothing worse right
1: then yeah yeah and and, and sometimes people push back to that's going to be oh well we're trying to be loving we're trying to care for them but we're trying to be loving by you know being patient or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's actually not loving to just let people continue in Mm -hmm. some unrepentant sin that's destroying their life it's actually the opposite it's hating them yeah
0: i think i think the alcoholism uh, you know, illustration is is the most potent here mm-hmm. because in a way, I mean, I I think we have such a I think we have a, some more moral clarity and and lack of um, but we don't want to use as much tact. We don't feel the need to use as much tact when we address that sin of of alcoholism or or drunkenness it seems
1: so clear to us.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so it's like whereas some sexual sins and stuff, I think you know, uh, there's some mm-hmm. cultural baggage that comes with even yep. just embarrassment and addressing it or, or whatever. But like, we can look at someone who's, who's an alcoholic, who's unrepentant and they drinking and say, you are actually poisoning yourself. Yeah. Like, if you continue to do this, there will be actual physical harm to your body. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do, I think, is is transfer that mindset to the soul and say, any unrepentant sin in your life is poisoning your soul. Yeah. Right. Slowly and effectively.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, your, your habitual habit of gossiping mm-hmm. is destroying your soul, destroying the relationships around you, destroying mm-hmm. your credibility, and it's just damaging your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not neutral.
0: Yeah. I and I think I, I think it's easy for us to see the lack of neutrality mm-hmm. in some sins mm-hmm. when and we need to you know, think about, it's like, well, there's, there's some sense like, well, is it really that, is it that big a deal? Like they're going to get upset and they're going to stop coming and they're going to stop giving and they're going to stop serving. It's like, mm. is, it, is it really worth it to, to bring this thing up to them? Yeah. And, and I think if we're going to take sin seriously, like God does, that it's going to be like an overwhelming
1: yes. well, yeah. And it's like, if you're trying to build uh, a business organization, that's not worth it because you want the, the manpower and the money mm-hmm. power. Yeah. But if you're trying to build a church, then, then that's exactly yeah. worth it.
0: No, that's exactly because the goal is different, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, yeah that's that's really good. And so, uh, talk about talk about cancel culture a little bit. You 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 talked about this in the sermon, and I'm just
1: yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, it's such a it's buzz like, let's, hot let's, topic. Let's thing.
0: cancel the guy in Corinth. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's just this cultural anomaly that's right now, and yeah, I think it, it's often met with so much negativity, particularly from conservatives. Yeah. Because probably there's been people canceled s- yeah. for silly reasons, yeah, or there's a rush to cancel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but sometimes we'll see a guy or a girl who we like, we mm-hmm. value, we, we respect, we mm-hmm. like their opinions. and they something comes out. you know, they uh, had an affair, they mm-hmm. uh, beat their wife, they mm-hmm. did something truly bad. And we just go, and they get canceled by the opposite political party. Yeah. And then we 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 just kind of go, oh, that's cancel culture. And therefore, we dismiss yeah, yeah. the actual issue uh, when in reality we should say, oh, I still agree with that person said or did, but mm-hmm. they've lost the right, at least for a while. They can be restored, mm-hmm. but they've lost the right for a while to be able to to speak with the mm-hmm. moral clarity anymore. And so they need to take a time out
0: yeah yeah i think this one this when you were talking about this in the sermon the 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 one that came to my mind and it's a little bit of a trickier situation because this guy uh passed away before these like justice could be served and really the the restoration could happen but i thought of ravi zacharias oh yeah you have all these sort of uh sexual abuse allegations that are, that are being confirmed by multiple witnesses there's been cover up by his mm-hmm. his organization and um and he 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 died before there could really be any, uh, you know, be any restora- ability to restore or um to, ha- to have get, justice. Get his opinion, yeah, get his or hear, thoughts on it. Is Yeah, is he repentant? Right? Is he you know whatever? Uh, but. So, so that's a little bit of a trickier situation, but I I know that there were people who were saying, let's throw out all of his books. Mm. Let's, let's, we, we don't need to read him. We don't need to yeah. listen to his, his talks, his sermons. Like yeah. we need to be done with Robbie Zacharias. And there were other people that were saying, whoa, 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 whoa. it's like, but he still said some good stuff and he still said some, some, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, so, so why is it just like, why do we got to throw everything out just because of this thing? Mm. And I think there's a middle ground and I think you just hit it as like, He said some good things, Mm -hmm. right? He said some helpful things, Uh, but we have to call a spade a spade and Mm -hmm. say like, he was saying those things and doing reprehensible things when no one was looking. Right. Uh, and so, uh, the other tricky
1: part about this is like, if he was still alive, buying his book puts money in his pocket mm -hmm. and you don't want to, you might like what he says, but we don't want to support monetarily him if he's particularly if he's not been restored. Yeah. Um, so. But, but I think
0: this is an interesting, I think we can, uh, the, the, the fact that this is not cultural discipline,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is what is exerted by means of social media yeah. or whatever the, the, yeah. the, the, the mainstream media, mm-hmm. it's church discipline, right? It's our responsibility. It's like, mm-hmm. we're not, it, it's not our job to go lambast people on Facebook or Twitter, right? Uh, it's, it's, we can't, we can't hold. And, and Paul says this at the end, right? We can't hold those people accountable. Yeah, yeah, That's not yeah. our job.
1: Yeah. It's, to me, there's, there's a little bit of a, a tension here because on the, on the one hand, you're right. It's not our job to police those people, mm-hmm. to call them to repentance. We're supposed to call them to faith because they're unbelievers. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, and this is where this, uh, this Donald Trump example I used, mm-hmm. um, I think is true. It's, it is our job to speak clearly to that issue, right? Mm-hmm. It may not be our job to actually deal with yeah. that person personally. Yeah. They're not in our church. They're not our responsibility, mm-hmm. but it is our job to speak clearly, about, particularly a public yeah. figure who's done something one way or the other. And when we speak publicly. Yeah. When we speak publicly about that person, we need to speak clearly about mm-hmm. uh, where we stand on this issue. Yeah. Uh, and so in the example of, you know, the Access Hollywood tape where Trump mm-hmm. is, Trump is you know, really talking about how he's abusing women and getting yeah. for fun. Bra- bragging and, about it. And, and, and they'll let him do it and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Our response to that should have been clear, reprehensible. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead, what we found was many Christians, uh, yeah, not all, not, not all, many, many and, and particularly like leaders. famous leaders, yeah, leaders um, uh, excusing it. Um, that was so long ago yeah oh all men talk like that things like that (laughs) yeah locker room talk and then you know they ended up meeting with him pretty closely afterward and then acting like he got saved or something (laughs) yeah um and so i think that while it's not our job to discipline outsiders it is Mm -hmm. our job to maintain our moral credibility and i think that example ruined our moral witness to Mm -hmm. the world Mm -hmm. right because now like because, and if you contrast that with, you know, you go back however many years to Bill, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Clinton has his scandal in the White House. Yeah, we had it right then. Yeah, Christians outcried. And this is wrong. The leadership demands morality and character. Yeah. Character matters. Fast forward to Trump, all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. And so what now the Bill Clinton thing looks like is political expen- expediency. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and I also think when, then when it, you you know, you're talking about having this moral
0: credibility is that then when it comes to church discipline, right, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm trying to confront this brother over his sin of gossip. Mm -hmm. And he says, bro, you were on Facebook defending political figure X, Y, or Z for doing this awful thing. And yet you're going to come try to correct me. (laughs) <laughs>
1: That's a great over, point
0: over this behavior. And great so I, I think the the Bible is a book of ethics, right? There, there, there is an ethical life that yeah. following Jesus demands. And what we're not saying is that everyone has to do it perfectly to have any moral credibility. But I think we do have to affirm the ethics of the Bible, no matter what, yeah. to maintain moral credibility, yeah. specifically for not for political purposes. But for relational purposes, uh, for when we have to do this, right? We want people to know that we're doing it out of love and out of care, not out of yeah. uh, distrust for them because of their political leanings or their teachings or yeah. their whatever.
1: Well, you're right. It, just, it makes you lose all ability to have any credibility to speak to any issue when all, everybody can point to this and be like, I can't take you seriously. And, and yeah. this is Paul's point too, and I think with the Trump thing, is that the world, quote unquote, Non Christians called this bad. Yeah. And it's like they got it right. They got it right, and the Christians are getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is Paul's point. It's like even the pagans know better. Yeah. And so Paul's just as as concerned as Paul is with this guy sinning with his stepmom, he's almost more concerned with this church's inability to notice that, to realize that. Yeah. And I think that's a tricky
0: point now because there's a lot of things. That the world and and this would have I don't want to be like the world is worse now than it was when Paul was writing First Corinthians right mm-hmm. the the world is was significantly bad then yeah and it's also significant it's not like we're getting worse yeah um but there is this idea that we the world is going to call some things bad that aren't bad mm-hmm. right the world is going to say hey it's oppressive to hold to the Christian sexual ethic right, right. and we can say we don't we, like we don't agree with that yeah but when the world is actually in alignment with our ethics when the world is saying hey uh i'm trying to think of an example like hey men need to be dads right like hmm. don't abandon your children yeah like we need to be able to the church needs to be able to rise up with the people that don't believe the same things as us and say yes that's true right that because that we we have moral credibility there and when we fail to do that when people are able to to, you know, say, Hey, uh you you're not calling out this person for this thing that
1: you believe, yeah, that's when we lose credibility. Yeah, because it looks like we care more about political power than it does our moral witness yeah. to the world.
0: Or it's like, and so in Paul, I don't know who this, you know, this dude in Corinth was that was sleeping with his mm-hmm. his his stepmom. But uh and we don't know we don't know why they were not addressing it, right? Not yet. Um, but but I, I think there's a sense in that we, we can all think that who wants to talk about that? Like <laughs> yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. go sit in this dude's house and, yeah. but, and so it goes even outside of the political sphere, it's like, we have to love God's character. We have to love the purity of our church more than we love relational comfort hmm. more than we love uh, uh, not feeling awkward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so yeah. Cause mo- I think more sin gets swept under the rug in churches Due to like, eh, I just don't really, I don't really feel like I'm, I can, I'm the person that yeah, can just talk being uncomfortable. about that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: For sure. And, and just uh, as a couple bullet points real quick, like the reason we take sin seriously is number one, because God, God takes it really seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of my favorite examples I pointed out is this guy carrying the Ark of the Covenant, you know, mm-hmm. God's present manifest and they stumble and he puts his hand up to stop it from falling and the second he touches it, he drops dead. Yeah. That's because God takes sin really seriously. You mm-hmm. know, when the the Jews used to send the high priest once a year into the Holy of Holies, where the ark was and God's presence was, they tie a rope around their ankle. Because if the guy went in there and he, you know, didn't make a sacrifice or for whatever reason, he dropped dead because in the presence of God, they'd have no way to get him out mm-hmm. until the next year when the next priest went in. And so they could drag his dead body out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, that story, you told that story, and it made me think of this. We often say this when we're especially talking to children or or to youth, and we we talk about how, well, you know, God can't be in the presence of sin, right? You know, like we we say that. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. That's what, when you told that story. I was like, no, it's not that God can't be in the presence of sin. It's that sin can't be in the presence of God. His holiness literally destroys it. Yeah. Like it just cannot exist. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a inchworm trying to live in a volcano. Like it just, it just gets obliterated. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and so, and so I think that gives us a. Like, Huge view of God's holiness, mm. right? And and so it's like if this th- if if this thing were to be brought before God, it would be destroyed. It would be obliterated, mm-hmm. right? And it's like so. Then in our churches, we should be able to go and say, "Hey, man, like we care about you because of this thing in you actually deserves to get uh uh, des- uh what's the word I'm looking for? like
1: Thanos snapped oh, like yeah, yeah. De- <laughs> like uh, uh just Blunt like evaporated <laughs> right yeah, like yeah, yeah. um. So, and so really, when we don't take sin seriously, it is a low view of God and a yes, low view of the yes, holiness of God. Yes. Um, and so we don't want to be that. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of in the Bible, I can't remember what happened, but something happens in the Bible, maybe you remember it, where God's spirit leaves the temple and, you know, Ichabod is written on the door or whatever, like this God's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like just this idea, it's kind of the same thing with the exile. It's like, hey, when we. Don't take sin seriously. And we live in sin, live in idolatry. God leaves,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and <laughs> his presence is gone. He writes, "It a out the door. I'm out. Yeah. And, and so it's like, we don't want to be a church where God, God's not here because we're in rebellion. Yeah. You know, we want to be repentant and taking sin seriously. Mm-hmm. The other reason, uh, you know, we take sin seriously because we are the reputation of God. We've kind of been talking about that. It's like when our moral credibility goes away, well, people obviously begin to think then, well, God doesn't care about these things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And, you know, we'll talk about this more, but you just see the slide in the culture of churches taking Mm -hmm. sin more and more, like excusing it or celebrating it, Mm -hmm. um, and it just started little by little, and the reputation of God has been tainted because Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, you know, you talked about this a little bit, but sin destroys people. It's not just this neutral thing, it actually really hurts people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you look at people who have been addicted to drugs, and you can see how that damages them and their relationships. It's like, but gossiping does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, being envious does the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. harder to see. Yeah. But but no less um, damaging to you and those around you. And then finally, it's just like, hey, Jesus paid a heavy price to forgive us of our sin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he He died um, shed his blood for it. And so when we don't take sin seriously, I think it's just making a mockery of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's living like you have this get out of jail free car. You just do like, oh, will do whatever yeah. I want. You just keep kinda, Jesus
0: paid it all, man. Yeah. I get to go, you know, do whatever I want. Right,
1: yeah. right, right. And so, um, we don't want to make a mockery of the cross. And so I think yeah. for all those reasons, yeah. We do church discipline because we're taking sin seriously because of these.
0: Yeah, and so I I think I think that's helpful, especially as a starting point to say like we're not doing this as behavior modification. We're not doing this as um, because we think we have the moral high ground. We're not doing this because we think we're any better than you. Right. But we've rooted, and Paul has rooted church discipline in the character of God, mm-hmm. the nature of the gospel, and so it takes really the person in- initiating uh, the church discipline out of, out yeah. of the equation. Right. right. It's not about their pride. It's not about their ego. And if it is, th- they're sitting right. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, they're yeah. in the wrong. And this has been done poorly.
1: Like mm-hmm. you, you talked about this. I'll okay. give you, I'll give you an example. Um, <coughs> uh, a, a church I know well, uh, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, it's like three teenage girls who got pregnant and they made these girls get on stage on a Sunday morning in front of the whole church and apologize to the whole church for getting pregnant. Now, the boys weren't up there that got them pregnant, oh, yeah. uh, but the girls were, and it's like that's just humiliating and awful. And so, what we're not saying is, hey, and there, and the difference here is like these girls made it might have just been a one-time mistake, mm-hmm. and so that doesn't call for church discipline. Maybe they've repented. Yeah, and why are they apologizing to the church? yeah (laughs) and so uh just horrible yeah um and so that's not what we're talking about yeah yeah
0: one of the one of the things ray orland talks about when he talks about church discipline is that it's done with a low level of visibility Mm -hmm. right that 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 jesus gives us an outline and that only on that last step is there anything public right uh and so that we we operate in those spaces When we're going to brothers, when we're pleading with brothers and sisters, when we're Mm -hmm. even when we're confronting them, you know, with two or three, that it's between those four people.
1: Yeah, you know, it's
0: like we're not. It's not going in the bulletin, so we're not dragging them up on stage. And then even when, even when it's time to remove their membership, we don't get up in the business meeting and say, "Well, this dude's sleeping with his uh, sleeping with a woman that's not his wife," and so we're we're mm -hmm. bumping him off. It's like, no, this dude has been under church discipline for unrepentant sin in his life and he's being removed. Would you pray? For, let's pray for him. Mm-hmm. Uh And, and it's not like we're not trying to air we're out. Every, we're not trying to air out everyone's dirty laundry. Right. Right. It's not a celebration. It's not an exciting thing. No. Um, and It's not a juicy thing. Right. That That's, that's gossip. Yeah. Uh, and so doing it, the intention I think
1: is to do it with a low level. And so the hope of visibility. is that it happens in our church and no one knows about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because two or three people went and called this brother out and the brother was like, Man, you're so right. I mm-hmm. got to stop this. Exactly right. And church discipline began and ended. Yep. And that's really the second point is that the goal of, of church discipline is restoration. Yeah. The goal isn't get to isn't is not to get to the last step where we remove them. The goal is that one goes, two go, three go, whatever, and eventually this brother uh, hears them, is grieved over their sin, and it's like I need help. Will you help me get out of it? Mm-hmm. And we go yes. Yeah. And we then start walking with them, and then when he falls again. And he's like, I struggled. He's like, all right, man, let's get back up and keep going. Then it's, it's like, we don't yeah, have to yeah. go into church discipline again because yeah. now we're just in the Christian life of we all fall yeah. and, and then repent and we fall and repent.
0: That That's a great point. I think, you know, you think about pornography, right? Someone's addicted to pornography yeah. and they're like, I think there's kind of two attitudes someone could have about it. Either like, um, just like, hey, kind of everyone does it. So it's not that really big of a deal. It's like, mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed, unrepentant. Mm-hmm. But then also sort of like the, I can't do it. I just I, the sort of apathy, like I can't stop, mm. like unrepentant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, you go and you you counsel with that 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 person, and and you it's like if they if if you get to the point of repentance, and then six months down the road they come to you and they they confess that they've done it again. Mm. It's not like, dang, dude, we got to start this all over. Mm. You know, it's like it's like you confess let's pray let's be healed mm. uh, like james tell, tells us and then we move on right yeah. it's, there's no discipline not church discipline at that point it's just confession and repentance and
1: prayer and the christian life
0: yeah um <laughs> and and that's that's the hope that comes out of this
1: right right yeah. right well, the the other christian thing about this part of the sermon uh, that the point is restoration is the way paul talks about it when he says that uh yeah. hand him over to satan mm-hmm. and uh that's a that's a challenging passage and uh but i do think job really does serve as kind of the 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 formula in that and we kind of talked about this last week you kind of asked this interesting question and we talked about how when satan attacks it's actually god doing something in your life but he's Mm -hmm. using satan as the means to accomplish it Mm -hmm. and so satan is the means by which uh God is keeping Paul humble in Second Corinthians. Want the thorn in the flesh? Yeah. Satan is the means by which God is uh, teaching Job about who he is. Um, Satan is the means by which, if we hand someone over to Satan, remove them from membership, mm-hmm. is going to uh, what we hope is to to, to remove everything, to mm-hmm. make them hit rock bottom, to hurt, yeah, to hurt them.
0: Yeah. Paul says the destruction of the flesh. Yeah. Right. It's like we want ever all that.
1: Anything that earthly, all that earthly desire was like, yeah. to be taken away from them in the hopes that they hit rock bottom. And mm-hmm. like the prodigal son who's run away to be with the and, and he and he runs out of everything, and he's sleeping with the pigs and he arises to go to his father's house. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is that they they go and they go and they realize eventually, crap, I had it better mm-hmm. then that God was gooder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go back. Yeah. And then they're restored. So that's the hope. And and wouldn't we rather them go and lose everything and save their soul? I mean, like we don't want them to lose everything. We don't want mm-hmm. them to work bottom, but wouldn't we rather them go through that and their soul in the end to be saved than to be comfortable and they have a comfortable life mm-hmm. and die and go to hell? Yeah. So I think that's the difference.
0: Yeah. And it's it's that's a hard a hard thing, I think, to when you know someone, right? Mm-hmm. That's caught in unrepentant sin. It's like you don't, you don't wish that on anyone. No, I don't want to be here doing this. But, with you. Yeah. but you know, you got to have a you know, you got to have a long view and an eternal view of someone, mm-hmm. not a a temporary view. Yeah, you know, it's and, like
1: yeah. And so the motivation is love on our yeah. part. Yeah. So we love you enough to do this thing. Nobody here wants to do to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm call you out like it is our deep love for you that is for, is causing mm-hmm. us to be here mm-hmm. uh, so. yeah
0: so uh that was kind of like the goal and then uh what is what did it, you talked about the consequences of of know, not doing it of not doing it yeah not the consequences <laughs> on someone who's under church discipline what are the consequences for our church body if yeah. we
1: fail to practice church discipline you know i don't have statistics i don't know if they exist on this but my gut is that most churches don't practice this Yeah. Um, for, you know, for a plethora of reasons. Uh, and Paul lays clearly out the consequences in verses 6 through 8. Uh, and when he talks about the leaven, right, which is really mm-hmm. yeast. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like when, when there's a little bit of leaven, a little bit of a yeast in the lump of dough, you can't separate it. You can't yeah. silo it off. You
0: can never make unleavened bread from... Bread from dough that has yeah. a little bit of leaven. In.
1: Yeah, once it's been leavened, it's leavened. It is leavened. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like yeah, it's kind of leavened. It's a little bit of yeast. No. no yeah. Once it's in there, it's in there. Then mm-hmm. it's done. And so if if a church um, doesn't take sin seriously, doesn't practice church discipline, allows sin to go unchecked, it's created a culture. We you know we often talk about how mm-hmm. uh, culture is created by the things we do, the things mm-hmm. we allow, and things we don't allow. Mm-hmm. And so a culture and a church is created. When you allow sin to go unchecked. And Mm. little by little, by little, by little, by little, baby step by baby step, you'll go from being a church that didn't allow dancing to being a church that uh, recites the Sparkle Creed. (laughs) You know, like.
0: <laughs> And now I'm going to have to put a sparkle creed like in the description <laughs> in the for show people notes. to watch it. Don't watch it. It's terrible.
1: <laughs> but, Just know it's bad. <laughs> but going from we don't allow dancing to we uh, celebrate gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well, how did we go from being so scared people could, would, dancing would lead to temptation mm-hmm. to, you know, kiss a girl or something mm-hmm. to celebrating uh, gay marriage? Well, it's we, we allowed sin to go unchecked. We, mm-hmm. you know, the, the couple moved in together before they got married and we're like, well, you know, no big deal. And yeah. and then we, you know, the, well, those, I know they're sleeping together, but, uh, you know, like that's their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like think about the divorce, the rise of divorce. I like, know that's, I think it's ch- perfect church example. church. Like people got divorced in churches and, and it's like, well, you know, they fell out of love, you know? Well, yeah. And, and not it, our,
0: not really our business.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what people would say. What if you go back and the church did church discipline on every person that was was about to have an unbiblical divorce? Yeah. And pleaded with them. Yeah. Pleaded
0: with them. We probably have a very different world today. Yeah. I think it's a great example of, you know, we have the same divorce rate. Yeah. We as Christians, the same divorce rate as the world around us. It's like even the pagans, you know, (laughs) see this. Yeah. And you don't. Um, And so, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the thing you said about you know what what do we celebrate? What do we permit or tolerate? What do we celebrate? What do we tolerate? Mm-hmm. And what do we reject? You know, is that s- sometimes things get that that are in the re- were in the reject category get moved into the tolerate category. Yeah, and then little by little they get moved into the celebrate category. Right. Right. Uh, and so we gotta for two thousand years, you know, the church has had what is in the reject category mm-hmm. what is in the tolerate category and what is in the celebrate category yeah. in terms of morality now obviously there's 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 shades there's differences of mm-hmm. of of that you know there's the church down the road that, that you know you, you women can't wear pants uh, i don't see that in the bible i think i think they're wrong on that <laughs> uh, i don't think that it's sin to make them not wear pants or whatever but uh like, i don't think it's you know the bible is very Ambiguous about what to wear to church, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so uh, I think if we reject the things the Bible tells us to reject, we we tolerate the things yep. the Bible tells us to yep. tolerate, and we celebrate the things the Bible tells us to celebrate, yep. we can avoid this this cultural erosion, this this erosion of our conscience, of our yep. of our morality.
1: And, and here's where I think um, this often why we get in this trap a lot of times. We don't want to lose the relationship. Mm-hmm. And we think if we address the problem, we lose the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so particularly when it's your kid Mm -hmm. or it's a dear friend and they're all of a sudden living in a lifestyle that you know is wrong, Mm -hmm. you know is harmful to them, you know is unbiblical, Mm -hmm. you know is going to damage their life. And you think, man, if I go and tell them, they've got to stop. If I go call them out, they'll never talk to me again. Mm -hmm. That's really hard when it's your kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what... We've said, okay, I care about the relationship more than I care about them. And so I want to keep the relationship. And I think there's a way to do both. Mm -hmm. You know, um, now sometimes no. Sometimes you try to be gentle and you impatient and and loving and they leave you. Mm -hmm. That's not on you. Yeah. Our job is to to gently and lovingly um, call people to repentance for their good and for Mm -hmm. God's glory. And so, and to know in those situations that it's like,
0: it's not, the responsibility is not just on you as the parent. Sure. Right. Like it's, it's church discipline. Right. Mm. So, uh, like I'll tell you any, any teenage student that's been baptized since I've been here that I've done the baptism interview has been prepped for this. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't use the words church discipline, but I say, Hey, when we, when I bat, when, when you get baptized, I don't baptize you, right? The church baptizes you. And what that says is it's a big moment for you, right? We're going to celebrate you, but it's also a big moment for us to say, hey, we accept you and we take responsibility of yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And so when those people are in, when when all of our members, right, are our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so when they're, you know, living in sin, it's our responsibility to get them back, yeah. get them out of it, yeah. you know, to go into the awkwardness and the hardness yep. and the the combat, right? The, yeah. the spiritual warfare, all of the things that are going to come with that and drag them out.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think if we don't do this, um, we, we slowly become something that if we saw that future version of our church, mm-hmm. we would be disgusted. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be sad. We'd be At the very least discouraged. Yeah. We'd be grieved. And so, um, We want to take sin seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, and I think this is a really, really important point. Um, Like, when do we do this? Mm -hmm. Um, We don't do this when someone makes a mistake. Mm -hmm. When someone sins. Um, When someone even sins bad. In a a really big way that's got a lot of consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do this when someone sins and then does it again and does it again with no remorse and no repentance and no struggle and no battle. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Paul uses this example in the text about the Passover and how we need to celebrate the Passover, not with the unleavened old life, but with the leavened new life, right? Like, like not with the old ways of sin, but the new ways of life in Christ and truth and sincerity. So it's like the gospel changes us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bible talks about there's a fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jesus gives this example of the parable of the sower that he throws the seeds of the gospel out and they all grow up into these plants, but many of them get choked out by the sun get choked out by thorns. Like they wither and die. And it's the one that bears fruit is the genuine one, the one that mm-hmm. will last till the end. And so there are people that look like Christians, but have false conversions and mm-hmm. have never been Christians. And it's because they don't have fruit. mm mm-hmm. And so the, what the point of church discipline is, is weeding those people out to, sh- to change tactics, to go, Hey man, yeah. we got to replant the seed mm-hmm. and hope it grows in you and prayers fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I think the lack of repentance, like so, when, when someone does something and there's no remorse, no repentance, it becomes the red flag that draws our attention to begin mm-hmm. to investigate. And that's what Matthew 18, that it's process like, is it's so like helpful.
0: The, it's like the anti fruit of the spirit.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, And so that's why Matthew 18, that process is helping us get to the bottom of, are you actually converted? Does the spirit live inside of you? Is the gospel true in your life? Because if so, eventually there's going to be repentance and there's going to be life change. Mm -hmm. And if in that process of Matthew 18, we find that there is no repentance and there is no life change and there is no fruit. We, as Matthew 18 says, treat you like an unbeliever Mm -hmm. because you are an unbeliever, Mm -hmm. at least by all available evidence. Yeah. And as we tr- were changing tactics, we're instead of calling you to repentance, we're sharing the gospel with you. Um, in hopes that either you repent and prove that you were a Christian and mm-hmm. you were just really hard headed, or that you come to faith for the first time. Yeah. And so it's really important, I think, to say that church discipline is for those that appear in the moment to not be Christians. And we are investigating to find out mm-hmm. whether or not they are. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's and I just think like in youth ministry, particularly, well, after really after youth ministry, this is so important. This is like it makes me wish every church in the world was faithful to this text and faithful mm. to Matthew eighteen. Because what happens so many times is uh, students or uh, you know college students they go and they start living uh, lives that are incompatible with the gospel. And they're never confronted over it and they're never questioned about it. Uh, And they're never, you know, brought to task for their sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what that turns into is one of two things, like they just sort of like drift away, you know, and sort of like, no, that's never really mattered. Uh, Or they, you, they have some misconstruction of the, of, of the scriptures to justify their behavior. Right. It's like, oh, the, the Bible never really says I can't live with my boyfriend So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. The the Bible actually never uh, Mm -hmm. condemns homosexuality. And so, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do it. And so it's like, but if there were churches in college towns and in towns that are sending off students that are commit, that we're, we're going to commit to continue to disciple and continue to walk with. Mm -hmm. And when we see sin in these, in these, these kids' lives, like we're going to, you know, we're going to. We're going to, we're going to, we don't want to give them assurance when they don't have, we're not going to say, Hey, well, you, but they prayed the prayer when they were six years old at VBS. Right.
1: And I think that's really the problem is that you've got these kids that grow up in church and go to youth group. And then they seemingly leave the faith. They've not been in church in 10 years you yeah, know after college, but they still think they're Christians because they walk this out prayed this mm-hmm. prayer or whatever. But it, but really it was a failure of the church to recognize that someone needed to do some discipline on them. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we give you membership, we give you assurance of salvation. Yeah. And when we do church discipline, we take it away. And no one's taking it away. And so you've got people who are deceived mm-hmm. and lulled into thinking they're believers when in reality they're not. Yeah. And that is. Which is
0: more, I like I can't stress it enough, more dangerous than yeah. someone who knows their lost. Because you've
1: got to convince them that they're lost. Yeah. And that's really hard to do because they'll say, no, I, I went to church, I prayed the prayer, I said the thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I believe in God. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like,
0: then, why do you live like it? Like,
1: well, and they have the theological language to say, like, well,
0: Jesus paid for my sin.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's, 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 and that's why what Jesus says in Matthew, "Don't be many of you who who come in before say, me." Say, Lord, 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 Lord. Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do this stuff for you? And He says, "Yeah, you did it for me, but I didn't know you." Yeah, be, depart from me, for I never knew you. Mm-hmm. And so, really scary, really hard. And it's like, so church discipline is a loving act. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is weighty. It's uncomfortable. It hurts feelings, but mm-hmm. it is a loving act because, man, I'd rather lose the relationship and I'd rather you lose everything. If in the end you ultimately wake up and come to Jesus and be saved, than mm-hmm. I stayed comfortable and mm-hmm. you go to hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You got anything else you want to add about that before we move into our, our question?
1: Nope. I oh. think that's it. All right.
0: Um, I love questions. Well also, and okay, I got one more thing to say about the assurance thing. Okay. is that, and this is a positive spin, right? Okay. Is that I know a lot of kids and students that are that are insecure in their salvation, right? They, they're like, oh, I keep sinning and, and I think that means I'm not saved, mm-hmm. right? And, but mm-hmm. they are remorseful and they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And I also, so on the flip side, I think we get to say, no, it's not that you just have to feel like you're saved. It's that there's a whole church roster <laughs> of people that affirm that you are Christ's, that you belong to him. Yeah, yeah. And so on the positive side, like, when you need affirmation, when you need security of your salvation, it's like, go to your church. Like, look to your church. Because you being among them Hmm. is an assurance of your salvation.
1: Yep, So Yep. yep.
0: All right, let's let's move on to this uh, this this question. You can always submit a question on the church app, uh, also on the uh, website, and uh, you can. Find and they're them. anonymous, and so and, if you're embarrassed yeah, about your question, we don't even we know who you are. We don't even know who you are. So uh, this this anonymous person, uh, this is about the the illustration about the Access Hollywood tape in 2016, uh, which it feels like a hundred years ago. Uh, reg- regarding the locker room comment made by the former president, this type of thing has always bothered me. How in good conscience can a follower of Jesus place a vote for leaders we know are unfit? Since God is sovereign and will raise up whom he wills, can we abstain from voting
1: so as to not show our support for those who are clearly unfit for office? So I want to simply answer the question, and then I want to go back and like just kind of dig into it a little bit more. Okay. I think the simple answer is yes, you can abstain from voting. Mm-hmm. Um, people have this, I think, false notion that you have to vote, and if you don't vote, you're somehow like dishonoring those people who fought for mm-hmm. your right to vote. And I would say, no, those people also fought for your right to not vote. Mm-hmm. Freedom means I can do do it or not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, But the other thing is, you can also vote third party. You know, you can vote for, yep. or you can write someone in. I, that's you know? the that's the
0: other notion I think that that needs to be dispelled is that elections are for winning.
1: Yeah, um, like no, elections are like, for
0: you don't have to vote for the winning candidate. Yeah, you know, like millions of people are going to vote for the one that loses right even if they lose by one vote it doesn't matter yeah it's like even if it came down to one person's vote it wouldn't have mattered right uh and so vote
1: someone you can support in good conscience yep yeah so yes you have every right and and if you're con do not sear your conscience Mm -hmm. over voting for political power um even if you like all the things the person is saying. Yeah. Right. It's not about the content. It's about the character. And when yeah. your character matters and your witness matters more. Yeah. And I think,
0: you know, we, particularly Christians can be comfortable in that because I don't care who, because don't know care who's, who's on the throne, baby. You know, like, I don't care who sits in the Oval Office. Yeah. Right. It's like, we've been through how many, 40 some odd presidents. And uh, guess what? Jesus was still in charge of all of them. Yep. Uh, and so, yep. You, you know, you're right to say God will raise up who he sees fit. You know? So I, I don't, I really dislike this language of like, he's God's man or she's God's woman to to lead. It's like, you know who God's man to lead America is right now? Joe Biden, because he's the president.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. God,
0: God raised him up to be the president. Yeah. Is it for America's ill or is it, is it as, as judgment or for, uh, or for uh, prosperity? Or for prosperity? Only God knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so, there's God's man is the
1: person that wins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, but they're not God's man in the sense that, like, you know, they're somehow ushering in a Christian nation. No, no, no they're no. God's man in the same way that Nero in Rome, yeah, who was, was God's burning, man, yep. who was an awful person, and that
0: who, I, I'm God's man to lead the youth ministry, and Brent's God's man to lead the church, and that you're God's man or woman to lead your household and lead in your it's like God. What we mean when we're saying that is God is orchestrating. Yeah. All of history for his glory. Yeah. He's so, in charge. Yeah. And yeah. so ultimately God's going to get the glory. Jesus is sitting on the throne. Uh, and so don't, don't vote for something, you know, is wrong mm-hmm. for some imagined end. Yeah, because yeah. God's going to, God's going to ordain the, the and, means. And, and, but end. I
1: think this is an important distinction. When we talk about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man, it's like, god is sovereign and his plans will come to pass and that doesn't get take me off the hook for doing what's right yep. just because god is sovereign going to do whatever one doesn't mean i just i can throw my vote to uh the bad person because i think he's got the best policy mm-hmm. no because i trust god as sovereign that means i can do what is right yep from my own conscience and by the scriptures knowing that i trust god to do what he mm-hmm. thinks is right or yep. what he knows is right and so i can vote for you, I'm going to write Ryan land man, let's, and on the ballot. Let's write in Brent Wilson. No. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Mayor
0: of Morrow, Brent Wilson.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't
0: say that because that's actually, about, those votes are about to happen. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is, this is the campaign launch event. Oh man. Um, yeah. And uh, the last thing, like Paul writes to the Corinthians, I can't remember if it's first and second, first or second Corinthians, but you know, he writes like the purpose, the plan of your life is your sanctification. Yeah. So don't undo your own sanctification. Don't do things that are antithetical to the gospel mm-hmm. uh, because you think it's God's plan on earth. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. God's plan for you is for you to be sanctified, for you to live more like Jesus, think, act, speak more like yeah. Jesus.
1: Well, and like when we talk about God's plans, okay, God's plans for the church is that we are going to be a light to the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when we sell out to political power uh, and lose our moral credibility in the process, mm-hmm. we are sacrificing our greater mission. For some silly four years of some guy who is probably lying Mm. to us about whatever he thinks he (laughs) you know is going to do, and it's like our mission is so much bigger than America, yeah, and what's going on here. And let's not sell our soul or sacrifice on the altar of political power. Mm -hmm. When we like the credibility that the church has to speak to America is so much more important than whoever is running the White House. Mm um we've got checks and balances baby we can get somebody <laughs> bad in there like they can't yeah. do that much damage yeah and
0: i th- I think the last thing that that i kind of just think on this topic is like the decision you make every day to wake up to open your bible to live according to that bible is more important than the decision that that than whatever person is putting their hand on the bible on yeah. inauguration day yeah oh ooh. Like it's, (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's it's more important when you, then the most important thing you're going to do is not going to happen in a a voting booth. Right. Like it's going to happen in your church class, Sunday school class. It's going to happen in your neighbor's house. Yeah. uh, It's going to happen on the ball field as you're sharing the gospel. Yeah. It's like, just like that's, that's the last thing I think we are inundated with political importance. Yeah. And it's inflated our sense of how important it is. It's not.
1: Which is which is why, Ryan, when I, you know, I, I told our church that when I used share this illustration about Trump and the Access Hollywood tape, I hadn't decided whether I was going to do it until I was up there. Mm-hmm. Actually, I deleted it from my notes because I was <laughs> not going to do it. And, and you've got to ask, why am I so trepidatious mm-hmm. to share an illustration like that? Well, it's because Christians around the country have Trump flags in their yard and mm-hmm. Like I, this is this is this is real. When Trump got elected in 2016, I came to work at my, my last church, church in Virginia, and one of the pastors on staff looked at me and he said, "Isn't it great? Revival's coming." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, "What?" You were like, "Did
0: did, did, <laughs> did Billy Graham gonna, it, go like <laughs> something miraculous happen in the life of our church? And someone healed? Is yeah, someone
1: come to faith, right?" And, no. and, and, and so it's like this messianic viewing of of Trump has or in, like, I, like or anybody, or anyone, anyone, anyone. But the reason I was trepidation to yeah, share yeah. this thing about Trump is that Christians are blinded mm-hmm. by him. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I press too hard on this issue, people will get mad. People will rebel, leave the church whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I still, I still said it cause I think I've, it's my job to do that and step on our toes. But, but how sad is it? mm mm-hmm. That I've got to be cautious about rebuking a obvious, flagrantly, sinful, broken, jacked up, unfit for office human. And that I'm, I'm trepidatious about that because Christians, it's not this. Like It would be one thing for the Christian to go to the, the voting booth and go, man, I think this man is awful but I think I've got to vote for him because of the policies, save the babies, whatever. It's like, there's an argument to be made for mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. There is a huge difference between that person who's struggling to cast the vote than the guy who's showing up with the Trump hat on, like, this is God's man. This is awesome. We mm-hmm. love him. He's, you know, going to change the world for God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you are you blind? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And so I think this that situation is... I think Paul is saying to us, God is saying to us through Paul, even the pagans know. Mm-hmm. Even the pagans know this dude is bad. <laughs> we should know. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's a hot take. <laughs> and I'm going to have to cut that out because it's no, too loud. No. Okay. Wait, wait. <laughs> that's a hot take.
0: <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> That one did not peak as much. Well, all right. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the recap. We hope uh, this conversation has encouraged you and uh, is edifying to you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't a part of our church family, uh, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can always go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.